Welcome to the Wisendell Weekly Wrap-Up, where we talk about architecture, design, everything in between. Um, usually we're in the Merchandise Mart, but this is our first podcast uh, outside of the Merchandise Mart. We're here at Mana Contemporary, second floor, uh, with a special guest on the Wisendell, a podcast. So go ahead, you can introduce yourself. Um, hi, I'm Hope Wang. Um, I met you, Felix, at Chicago Textile Week 2019, and we've just like been working like in various forms together for the past two years um i've been a full-time artist for the past two years Uh, i think when we met was really the time that i was diving into my studio practice and yeah i um am a textile artist i do weaving i also screen print um i also have a photographic research like wing to my practice I also write poetry and I also am the founder and facilitator of Loom Room um, which is the first like baby steps toward a community fiber studio in Chicago that's centered around working artists and providing equipment for working artists so yeah it's a little bit about me yeah (laughs) is is that how we someone asked me the other day how we met and I was like I don't really remember was it textile week yeah Chicago textile week yeah probably like the happy hour or something Um, um, I think it was a little bit before because you put my weave, my wood grain weavings on the postcard oh, that's before right. Chicago Textile that's Week. Right, so, right. um, yeah, yeah, I yeah. think that was, and then we like, you know, saw each other like every other day at, yeah. during the week, and <laughs> yeah, just kept in touch from that. So. Nice. Um, yeah. So how is uh, well? We're talking Chicago Textile Week is going on too, and how has that week been going? It's been wonderful. I mean, it's a huge production. It's a week-long program of various different events uh, with various different participants who are experts in their field, and they have been really generous to host um, a ton of people to come into their spaces, showrooms, studios, um, and to give tours or talk about their practices or talk about the work. And it's just been a really great way to facilitate connections um, for fashion, um, upholstery design, textile manufacturing, artists, um, and then just like production and various things in between that sort of intersect uh, between all of those disciplines. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just been really great to meet all kinds of people that I would have never like found opportunities to intersect with or meet yeah. um, who are all textile adjacent. And, or just textile enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. And it's just been a really great week um, to build on the momentum of 2019 and then really try to bring that forward again a second time um, for 2021. And I think, I mean, we were meeting like every single Sunday for nice. the past year, yeah. um, working on different phases of programming on a design call um and then on an artist exhibition and then in just managing the little administrative details of Mm. putting together a cohesive week of events and making sure that that's all like well communicated and well engaged and also going to be fruitful for people who are attending so we have two days left um as of right now during this interview and i think i'm everything's been so great so far we've had like 30 so anywhere from 30 to like 80 people um engaging in each of the events each night i think on average like 40 to 50 which has been really wonderful um consistently every single night to meet new people but also see the same faces from the previous night yeah um and to be able to talk about various different um 
you know, like pathways around what te- being in the textile world means. So mm-hmm. it's just been a great time. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The um, well, you guys had a call for artists as well, right? Yes. So can you explain a little bit about that. Or yeah. Was there a winner to that? Or? Yes. Okay. Um, so we had a design call that was hosted between Chicago Textile Week and Carnegie Fabrics. Okay. Um, so the founder, Kat Neary, she works for Carnegie and they were very generous to um, host this where they would be working with three different artists um, who would be selected by a jury uh, to turn their vision of their design into a textile that would be then upholstered into cushions for um, like these pew cafe chairs at the Epiphany Center for the Arts. So it was a whole ordeal trying to connect (laughs) these three sort of organizations together Um, on the jury we had the one of the founders of the Epiphany Center for the Arts we also had Erica Warren who is um, a curator for the textile department at the Art Institute of Chicago Mm -hmm. as well as um, Chase who works for Carnegie um, in their New York location Mm -hmm. and we originally in the first phase of the call um we had maybe like 10 artists and um, submit work and then we extended it we also um, procured funding to you know compensate these artists for their designs um it's really important to be shifting out of asking for free spec work yeah um so it was really important to me to make sure that like the artists would be getting some kind of compensation for the work that they were doing and mm-hmm. providing in provi- and making these wonderful textiles. So yeah. um, after that, uh, we received over 100 entries, wow. which meant it was a huge thing to put together this jury yeah. <laughs> packet. Yeah. Um, and we had to extend it a second time in order to really allow the jury to have enough time to look over all the designs because there were so many really great yeah. ones. And we had three winners who um, worked with Carnegie throughout this past summer to develop the textiles in there on dis- and samples of that um, yardage is on display at the Epiphany Center for the Arts this week. Um, so very yeah. cool. And all of those artists, I think one of them is a fiber artist. Two of them don't really have a, a textile background. So um, what they submitted were pictures, drawings, um, yeah, like paintings and. It was just really wonderful to see that translation at least as a textile artist myself like i'm working a lot with photography and Mm -hmm. with other elements and materials and it's the most fun thing for me is to be able to translate that into something that isn't that previous um material or object it's all it's something completely new um, because when you manifest an, an image, um, a digital image into a material object. There's always something new. There's something lost. There's something born out of it. And yeah. um, it's just been exciting to see, to witness that happen yeah. with the Very design cool. call too. Where, did you uh, submit? I like didn't. No. Is that a conflict <laughs> of interest? Maybe? Um, yes. And uh, I really wanted to just be able to help facilitate um, this opportunity for other people. Um, for me, uh, I, I think that I wear a lot of different hats um, of facilitating opportunities for other artists um, and then also my own studio practice. And it's really just a matter of me over the past few years learning, like, where 
do I put my energy yeah. and what kind of energy is it? So for Chicago Textile Week, I really wanted it just to mostly be facilita- facilitating opportunities for other people um, to meet new people, to get more eyes on their work. Yeah, that's um, awesome. And I've already done the job of trying to like create this opportunity and streamline it to be um, enjoyable and like exciting for all the parties involved. Yeah. So it didn't feel like it was pertinent to yeah. me to submit so anything of myself. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're coming off fresh off of uh, a residency in Cleveland, is it? Yes. Yeah. Cleveland, so Ohio. How was that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was fantastic and exhausting all in one. It was a lot of things. Um, it was a month long residency at Praxis Fiber Workshop. They, in 2020, acquired a TC2 Jacquard loom and opened it up for artists to rent time. Um, for two week long or one month long residencies. And, and, and not to cut you off, sorry. What, yeah. Can you explain that loom a little bit and why it's so important? Man. <laughs> um, yeah, highlight, so, highlights. Yeah, so, so <laughs> the Jacquard loom, it's a computer assisted loom where I make use Photoshop files and I code them with weave structures. So textile patterns in embedded into these images. And then the computer attached to this loom re- has a software that can read that code. And gotcha. um, people often think, oh, like they're imagining like mill, uh, industrial mill, like where there's no human like standing in front of it mm-hmm. um, to at least weave every single line. But this is computer assisted in the sense that the computer is helping me um, create compositions that are a little bit more specific to the files that I created. Gotcha. Um, so it's. Um, like on a floor loom, you might be able to do more abstract things, but you can also do a lot of really complicated stuff. But there, you're limited by the combinations of harnesses, um, which are like these apparatuses that lift um, a combination of looms uh, of threads. Where on the jacquard, you can control and separate which every single thread that lifts. So if you have 2,000 threads, I can code in exactly where each single thread is going to lift at any point in time. Gotcha. Um, so there's a lot more, I think, flexibility in how you control the threads. But I'm still standing there. I'm still hitting up, pressing a foot pedal, still weaving. Um, all the decisions I make as an artist are still embedded in the creation of those textiles. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just it has that added element of being able to create a digital file and putting it onto the computer and then immediately getting to weave um, that like structure. Nice. But it honestly it takes about the same amount of time to weave on a traditional floor loom. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that just the design element or the um, planning element it takes a little less. It's a bit more efficient in terms of the control that you can have. Yeah. So that's how I would describe it. Yeah, so it. I'm assuming that it was big for them to get that Oh, it's loom. major because that loom is extremely inaccessible in the world at the moment. Yeah. Um, there's a lot, there's a handful of institutions, um, school, art schools, various universities uh, around North America that have this loom and provide it for students to use. But ultimately, I think that there is... Praxis is the only facility in the U.S. that has a loom available for artists to use independently. 
and outside of an institution, which is kind of insane. Um, yeah. Because there's generations of alumni graduating out of these programs um, who make extremely compelling work, and then they have to cut it off. They don't know. We don't know when we're going to next use this loom. We don't have access to it consistently, which means our research is always stalled, um, or you have to find something else to do, or it's extremely expensive, or you have to go to grad school again to access this and that's just <laughs> absurd to me it's what a lot of people have done or they have to like apply to be faculty at these universities in order to have access to it Damn. even then it's so limited because you can't overlap with students wow. um so and that's kind of what shaped like my desire to found a um, space where it's just about equipment access consistent yeah. equipment access where you're not attached to a teaching institution where the focus is about teaching students getting them access it's just for people who need equipment to continue mm -hmm. doing their practice and to keep it sustainable and to keep working mm -hmm. um, so I, I think that the inaccessibility of the jacquard loom which is largely what my work is um, made on mm -hmm. it really has shaped how i feel about access to equipment about um, being a working artist and um, what it means to be part of a community. So, yeah, yeah. which is, which is a small community, right? It's a small and, community. And <laughs> I didn't even before getting involved with Textile Week in 2019. I mean, I knew of textiles obviously through the career, but I didn't know. You know, I was always thinking of it as a large scale, right? And I wasn't thinking of it as a small kind of uh, um, slow scale that that uh, that we're talking about now. And then I didn't know that the loom that you were practicing on in Cleveland was that scarce. Like that's wild. So no wonder, so so how many pieces did you produce right there? What was that experience like? I produced 30 pieces okay. in 27 days. <laughs> I was there 27 days, I wove 23 days and I made 30 pieces in that time, which is why hustle. I said it was- Hustle, that's hustle out there, everybody. <laughs> that's why I said it was exhausting because I don't want to work like a production mill. Yeah. You know, I was weaving basically 10 hours every single day standing because I don't, you can't really sit um, in front of there because you're pressing a foot pedal all the time. And so I'm, you know, throwing a shuttle back and forth, pressing a pedal every single time. Like, um, it's like, uh, something like this size might yeah. have been 6,000 picks and that means 6,000 pedals steps and more probably sometimes more of those shuttle throws so um, it's the amount of labor is quantifiable and just so like something like this yeah. you did in one day yeah Wow. Um, well, the nice thing about not being in a teaching institution where you're sharing equipment with like 30 other students and having a residency where you're independently hogging this equipment was that I could weave in my underwear or take a nap or go mm. stop for lunch and I wouldn't be worried about someone coming in and weaving in the middle of my um, design because when I was in school, you had to weave your whole project at once. And that often meant that one, you might be limited to whatever you could get done in eight hours, or you know, if you didn't finish it, something came up, then you'd have to do it all over again. So, it's I mean, given the amount of stuff that I made, yes, I made one piece per day, pretty sure, much, sure. if not more, like one and a half. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was like woven in one day usually. Wow! And for those of you uh, listening to us on audio, uh, check out the video portion. We have. We're sitting in front of Hope's pieces here. Um, so can you describe a little bit about that? I know we're jumping all over the place, but yeah. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit more about what we're seeing. 
Yeah. Well, um, I guess to finish the thought about yeah. like the residency. So, mm-hmm. um, Praxis, they incre- like did an incredible job to acquire this loom and to provide it for people outside of an institution for artists to access. Nice. So I was their third resident in this in, in May and I had that, that time for a month, um, all to myself in this wonderful house in Cleveland where the loom was on the first floor and I lived in the second floor apartment and I just like made breakfast lunch and dinner and wove in between <laughs> and went to bed uh, which is like the most consistent s- schedule I've ever had for a very long time <laughs> <laughs> so you were by yourself I was by myself um, oh, I don't like okay. being by myself um, even as an introvert, I'm just like, if I'm working, I'm already like, I'm by myself. And yeah. at the loom, it's so loud, I wouldn't be spending time with anyone. Right. So it was not fun not being able to, and we're in a pandemic, um, it wasn't fun to not be able to have like other artists around to look at the work, to talk about it, to process it. So it really was weaving in a frenzy all by myself. Like I saw a few people on the weekends, but then I wanted to make up for the, t- time. the social time. Yeah. So it was, I don't like the state that I get in when I'm like production 100% all the time. Yeah. So I'm glad that it was only a month because I, I mean, the loom kicked me off. Like, I, I literally ran out of material in the middle of a weaving, which I was like, okay, I have to, like, come back again and start that weaving all over again because the, the like, yeah, the threads just snapped on me. Nice. Um, Do you have that piece up in here anywhere? Uh, no, I just cut it off, and it's, like... Oh, that like, would have been a great piece just to, you yeah. know, like, this is the piece, yeah. the end piece that it, cut me off. Um, yeah, I... It is a little sample piece, but nice. um, and it looks complete, but yeah, it, it is not the full piece, yeah. so <laughs> it will have to just um, either get cut down even more into something else, or nice. I don't know. Okay, yeah. yeah, but yeah, so that was sort of the experience of my residency. I loved cool. it. I had so much fun. I had been sitting on a stockpile of ideas for three years because that was the last time that I was on a jacquard loom, mm-hmm. um, and I just had like. A huge sketchbook and like tons of files and just was making files like every single day and that's like the invisible part that you don't see when you're looking at this material object is actually like some of the planning is largely spent on um, compiling photos collaging images or creating physical collages and then photographing them and and then turning them um, distilling that image into something that can be weavable and then actually like inserting applying structures that make sense for the image and then test weaving them um to see if it looks you know like you'd want it to look um and that's just like a lot of yeah back end um file making test stripping type of uh, labor that doesn't isn't part of the the final piece Mm -hmm. so i would say that like in a lot of the works, there's like possibly the d- double the amount of labor it took to make one piece. It took to plan and execute um, that finished one. So, yeah, I guess if we want to talk about the work <laughs> behind us, which is all digitally woven um, yeah. with different structures. Uh, Every single one is digitally woven? Yes, actually. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I think... Is there a particular one that you wanted to talk about? No, just in general. I mean, yeah. these pieces are great, have a little architectural uh, feel to it as mm-hmm. well. Um, obviously, um, for those of you who can't really see, we're going to be uh, showing some B-roll of it, but that's the 
um, ADA markers on the uh, sidewalks. Specifically, um, the Chicago Transit line. So Chicago the CTA, Transit line, exactly. The yep. blue strip that lines all the um, platforms. Yeah. Yeah. How, how did you uh, get that inspiration? Or yeah. Where so did you get that from? I guess like a little bit more about my work is I, um, I think. Um, I really draw from a lot of architectural building materials, a lot of construction materials, um, because they have a lot of patterns, and I think I relate that to textiles a lot too, but also that labor is just, um, it's a, little, a similar conversation, I think. But um, yeah, I, I like to find funny moments um, in our built environment and kind of like recontextualize them through printmaking or weaving. And so I actually started by making prints of the ADA platform um, uh, pattern. So I, on the table over there, like uh, we have like a clay impression. So I like rolled mm -hmm. out a bunch of clay and I went onto the platform and I just got the impression of it and then screen printed that really, you know, characteristic blue onto paper and then hand embossed all the little dents um, to create that texture. And Very then I cool. thought that it would be so fun to do that in weaving, but in a different way, structurally, I used a like um, a structure, a, a textile pattern that splits the cloth, the warp, the unwoven um, threads in half to create two separate cloths at once. So I'm able to weave two separate things at a time and then um, I would stitch them. I'll also apply a structure that would stitch them together. So if we cut this in half, you could actually pull apart the parts where it's two cloths and then there's stitch points where it becomes one um, and they sort of like become yeah like sep they become like a pocket so I really wanted to think about the actual structure of textiles mm -hmm. um, with the architectural patterns um, instead of it just being an image of this like dimensional object that it, it itself is dimensional that is two cloths at once whereas with stitch points so you get this like puffy aspect of like you know two separate things and then the moment where it becomes one it, it just like has this extra puff which is sort of similar to the, like the buttons on the ada gotcha. <laughs> platform yeah and then here like this is again thinking a lot about construction materials using caution tape and i just think it's so funny when you pass by a space that's been um you know this like arbitrary border that caution tape creates um mm -hmm. that's really provisional and it's really funny i think when you pass by especially in outdoor spaces it's like tangled and whipped around by the wind or somebody came in just like i don't know messed it up mm -hmm. and um i love that personality that all these like materials that we that humans use to tell other people what um, is a boundary. Um, so it's very much about human activity, human passage, um, but it doesn't have that human body, but it, I think that it really embodies that like person personality. So a lot of these are really, like the caution tape ones are playful because they're like yeah. drawing on that tangled moment of like things just in the wind or like wrapped around something. So yeah. Um, this was like kind of a digital collage in the sense that I created three separate files, um, compositions based on three separate images of tangled caution tape. And then I would open one file, weave it for a couple inches, change up the colors, open up a different file. And then, so it's like collaging different files as I'm weaving. Mm -hmm. So again, I really enjoy that like um, 
dimensional collaborative process between two different processes like the digital file making and then also the weaving so it's mm -hmm. not just like i made one file and then it got like output into a piece of cloth it's like as i'm at the loom i'm making these spontaneous choices to open up a file and then open it up somewhere else and then put in a different color so i think that's really what i think is really fun and um to be able to push the um, machine to do something that's not just textiles that's not yeah. just digital Right. Um, although I would argue that weaving itself is inherently digital. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of like a little bit of uh, the process. No, that's great. You can definitely see the architectural um, aspects in, in these. Obviously, the love the burnt uh, tire burn marks as well. Uh, I know I'm blocking this one, but this is uh, a um, how did you decide to frame this one too? It's a window reflection of a um, vacant storefront. So since 2018, I've been collecting photos of whenever I pass by um, vacant storefronts and just collecting those images. And they're often, you know, you can tell that it's vacant through brown paper, blue tape, plastic sheeting, or even just an active construction zone inside. Um, and we see those as like, negative space of like failed uh, often failed architecture mm -hmm. um, due to a lot of things like business turnover gentrification um, or just even transition from like changing up a space if it's a construction space and it's just you know like improving something but I think that there is this like like I said negative space where we were like oh this isn't complete it's not open to the public it's not even a thing on google maps anymore um so it doesn't exist or doesn't have narrative but i think that often the vacancy is a narrative um and so i think for me i was just collecting these as photos and then i cannot make this on any other equipment um, besides the jacquard loom and so it's really just about pushing the um, limits of the loom and the digital file and the structure and the patterns to create something that looks like an illusion. It looks like from a distance um, a window reflection. It looks like glass. It looks like mm -hmm. plastic. And then you get closer and it's all just threads laid over each other. Um, yeah, and fantastic. yeah, I wanted to weave a frame based on certain colors that I see in space um, that are often related to like building materials and um, then I decided to also incorporate an actual like color matched uh, frame for them. Um, sans glass, because I want it to just be an illusion that it's not actually glass in front of it, but it looks like a, a window reflection. Mm -hmm. So I think that the frame, the physical actual frame really helps add dimension. It kind of creates this like moment, like a shadow. Yeah. Um, and you kind of feel like you are entering some kind of portal or illusion um and or it, it looks like a window frame <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it's also just easier to handle <laughs> yeah <for laughs> and sure. store so i i love being able to have them color match but i also just love them being easy to deal with <laughs> yeah yeah and i mean this space is great um talk a little bit more about loom room and the accessibility that you were mentioning yeah so like I mentioned briefly before, Chicago does not have a fiber-centered artist studio that is separate from residency, separate from education centers. Um, like, there, I really took a lot of note from some of the print 
spaces that exist in Chicago. They're so well connected. People, a lot of printmakers know each other. They have so many opportunities like Zine Fest or Book Fair to um, sell their works or just like have community. And I graduated from a fiber program and did not feel like I, I didn't know where to go, where to make work, who to like connect with, where to where was a central location to even connect to, to other people who are still in the city. Um, and uh, Loom, like the ones that I have in my studio, each of them were about like $2,000 and that was secondhand. So, and they're large, they're like 40, 50 inches wide and then about that same amount of space like um, in lengthwise and you know, that requires you to have a studio or like extra space in your apartment. And a lot of people don't have those. It requires space, money, all those other prerequisites for you to even get a loom to set something up on. And um, I didn't weave for several years because I was like, I don't, that's not a priority. I'm not gonna do that. I don't have space. I live with four other people. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Where where am I gonna put this loom? Um, And I just didn't really believe in private personal studio. I really, I learned in a huge room full of like 20 to 30 looms of multiple different kinds of looms. And I loved that camaraderie of walking into a space and you just saw someone else's piece just in progress. And you could ask them about like the the structure or the technique that they were doing, or you could just, uh, you know, like enjoy that energy of things mm-hmm. being made, um, even if they weren't there or if they were there, you, nobody was talking, but we were all just making stuff. Right. Um, and I loved that and I want, I think that it's possible to recreate outside of an institution. So um, last year, so this is like a very new uh, venture, project, new venture. Project. <laughs> and um, last year I received a small city grant that actually covered exactly the cost of one loom that had just become available. And I feel like it was a sign. And it was also another printmaker and weaver who was had heard me talk about all these ideas, these desires, and was like, we should make it happen with this loom. We should start with this loom. And I was like, you, I just got this grant and it's exactly the same amount of what this loom costs. So I should do it. And I had just moved into a shared studio space and I was like, I have space, I have uh, grant money for it. Um, And then after that, I think once you like get your first one, you want another one. (laughs) So a month later, um, my studio mate was moving um, out of the city and was not gonna take their loom. And I was like, I'm gonna crowdfund for to just take their loom um, and continue to work on providing like keeping myself accountable by acquiring the second loom to actually work toward creating a space where people could come in and rent that um, Mm. equipment. Mm -hmm. So we crowdfunded it. I crowdfunded it in two days. Um, And that was incredible because I was like, I don't know, like there's there's a lot going on. Um, It feels weird to be asking for help on this thing (laughs) for myself. But um, it was just clear that people want to see it happen. A lot of um, other textile artists, friends were so on board with it that we, yeah, we crowdfunded in basically two days, which was wonderful. I got it. And then I realized that I needed to move studios to really central like focus on making it a fiber studio because i was sharing with ceramic artists and ceramic Uh, dust and fiber and they just don't really mix um (laughs) i'm in this beautiful space that makes me really really happy um 
and it's also a building where there's a front desk and there's artists like there's actual um, interest in creating community with the other artists in the building so mm -hmm. I was like this is a great place to bring guests in because mm -hmm. um, that way like someone can check it themselves in at the front desk and they can some there's staff that can take them up on the elevator or direct them around the building um, and they also do our like exhibition programming upstairs so um, it just felt like the right place to just start the next phase of yeah. loom room um, so but it is complicated because I am learning how to run a venture um, as I'm going and I'm also trying to figure out how to fund it because it's like I have my own studio practice to fund, um, which yeah. I'm a full-time working artist, and I don't make that much money from my yeah. practice. Yeah. At the um, moment. Not consistently. <laughs> right. um, and then I also have this whole other business, so this whole yeah. other child to yeah. handle. Um, and I would love for there to, to be working with people because, I again, part of the whole community thing is that we come up together, yep. we manage things together, we share the responsibilities. So... Um, I have a open studio for Chicago Textile Week tomorrow, and that's really just in the effort of understand, like getting the word out there that um, these two looms are available for people to rent and to get in here. And I want to be able to host um, textile-related um, events or like just hangouts with people. Yeah. Um, and so it's stressful though to think about like out of my own studio, yeah. providing all of these things, being a resource to other people while I'm figuring out how to even be stable myself. Right. So it's kind of it's like daunting. really daunting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I get stressed about it a lot. <laughs> um, but like there's been a lot of encouragement and feedback and um, like, interest in it so mm -hmm. I, it's definitely important to keep going because people want this as a resource i just everyone wishes someone else did it and i as well <laughs> wish someone else was doing this <laughs> instead of me yeah yeah, yeah. but um, well if you want anything done you have to do it yourself right? yeah that's really been as a, as an early career artist i feel like that's really the generally the thing that you end up concluding is that whatever you want <laughs> um you're gonna have to get it yourself and if it's not there if it's not happening right away you're just gonna have to like facilitate it yourself yeah um yeah but it's a lot of work yeah it's not only managing yourself it's managing other things um mm -hmm. so yeah yeah i mean that's a strong strong statement I, I feel like uh that's a good one. where can people follow you as we wrap things up where can people follow you follow loom room support anything like that yeah so you can find me at my website hopewang.com um and you can find me on instagram at hopeless underscore hope and then i all of my links are basically on my in my instagram bio loom room you can follow at on instagram at lmrm underscore chicago um, and then loom rooms also currently housed on my website so it's just an extra tab there okay um, but all my information i tend to try to keep it updated on my website is there so you can find all of that once if you go to any one of those single ones you'll go down the rabbit hole and find everything else <laughs> nice nice well, yeah. Well, thank you for taking the time. And then also thank you for all the help you're doing with Wisendale and the team. Truly appreciate it. Um, yeah, we'll be in touch again probably in some months and see where you're at. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to. It's been so interesting to see how the chapter changes every season. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've been in here like every 
once a season yeah, yeah. <laughs> since I moved in and it's drastically different every time. Yeah, it is, so, it is. That's great. Um, yeah, it's been a year of rapid growth and abundance mm-hmm. and I'm trying to keep up with it. Yeah. I don't know if I am. <laughs> you are, you <laughs> but are. But thank you, you for coming in today and talking yeah. to me about it. Of course. Thank you. Yeah.